when I was working towards becoming a pastor. If I had been able at that time to select what style of sermons I would give, they would have been very different uh, from the way uh, they actually are now. The sermons that I wanted to give as a pastor, as a preacher, the ones I wanted to give were the ones that my college pastor gave, Denny Rydberg. Denny created these amazing sermons that usually combined the scriptures, sports, and either a funny or a very poignant story about his own kids. But almost always, there was something with a sports analogy. And I loved sports. I loved sports. I followed all the local teams. I had Husky football tickets. I thought Denny's style would be perfect for me. But I could never pull it off. Denny's voice was his own, and it just wasn't mine. I kept thinking about that all this week, how much I had wanted to, to give his sermons about with those sports analogies. I kept thinking about that this week because Paul sets it up so perfectly. This text would have been perfect for that style. Paul himself uses an athletic metaphor. I press on toward the goal to win the prize, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. There are so many great sports stories that could be used to illustrate this. There's that scene from Chariots of Fire for us older people that remember that movie where Eric Little, this is based on a true story, where Eric Little gets knocked down toward the beginning of the Olympic 440-meter final and gets up and, and charges ahead and catches him and wins the gold medal right at the tape. Gordon Fee, in writing his commentary about this uh, letter of Paul's to the Philippians, he brings up the story of what was called the Miracle Mile. It, this was the first race, the first time in a recorded race that two different milers broke the four-minute mile mark in the same race. It was in 1954, and I didn't realize this till reading it from uh, Gordon Fee's book, that it w happened actually in Vancouver, B.C. Uh, Roger Bannister and John Landy both broke the four-minute mile. The crazy thing about this is Landy led almost the entire race. He led all the way right up towards the end. And as they were nearing the finish line, Landy looked over his shoulder to see where Roger Bannister was, how far behind he was. So Landy looks over one shoulder. And as he's looking over that shoulder, Bannister passed him on the other shoulder and won the race. Go! so close. I was even thinking actually uh, this week about DK Metcalf's blown touchdown reception in last week's Seattle Seahawks game. Metcalf blew past his defender. Russell Wilson throws this incredible deep ball right into his arms over the shoulder. Metcalf then did something that he never does. He is an amazing receiver, fantastic receiver, incredibly strong. And he was holding the ball in one hand, 
just outside of the end zone. He was just a few yards from actually scoring the touchdown, and he let up. He kind of relaxed just enough that a defender came up behind him, slapped the ball out of his hand. It rolled through the end zone and out the back of the end zone, which means not only did DK Metcalf not score the touchdown, but the Miami Dolphins actually got the ball back on their own 20-yard line. Now, Metcalf later did catch another touchdown pass, and the Seahawks won the game. But in two different ways, then, Metcalf illustrated Paul's point of persevering all the way till the end. The first way he illustrated it was negatively. He didn't pursue all the way till, or persevere all the way till the end zone before he let up, and he therefore lost that particular touchdown. But forgetting what was behind is the way Paul puts it. Forgetting what was behind, he kept playing hard through the rest of the game right up till the end, and he helped them win the game. There are all sorts of these great sports stories that, that augment, illustrate Paul's own athletic metaphor. And if Denny Rydberg was giving this sermon, he would have crafted uh, an entire sermon around one of those stories, and it would have been amazing. It probably would change your life forever for the, for the good. Unfortunately, I have to apologize to you because I am not Denny Ryberg. And I was thinking maybe if we were in a, a different time in our society when there wasn't so much at stake, I might have played around a little bit more with centering the sermon on one of these illustrations. But with all that is happening in, in our city, in our region, especially including Portland, with all that's going on in our country these days, a very different story came to mind, one that illustrates both what Paul's words have meant to some followers of Christ in recent memory and what they might mean for us today. Some of you have already recognized uh, and had recognized before I mentioned it to the kids uh, that you maybe have recognized in Paul's words the title of a song that became very important during the civil rights era of the 1950s and 60s, the song Keep Your Eyes on the Prize. It was essentially adapted from a hymn by Alice Wine. The original hymn was Keep Your Hand on the Plow, which was a reference to a gospel story. Uh, but she changed the lyrics around some, and the lyrics were changed to fit these words of Paul to the Philippians. I haven't already attained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which 
God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Some of the lyrics are as follows. Paul and Silas bound in jail had no money for to go their bail. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Paul and Silas thought they were lost. Dungeon shook and the chains came off. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Freedom's name is mighty sweet, and soon we're going to meet. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Only chain that a man can stand is the chain of hand on hand. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. One of the benefits of connecting this morning's scripture from Paul with the content of this song and the context of this civil rights song is that it helps us gain a fuller understanding of the prize that Paul is calling us to keep straining toward. Many people have interpreted the prize as getting to heaven, in part because of the words of Paul in verse 14 which many translate as the NIV does, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The problem with that is that Paul doesn't use the word heaven or heavenward at all. A more literal translation is, I press on for the prize of the high calling of God in in Christ Jesus. And once again, Paul is referring to the experience of the resurrected Christ and life with and in the resurrected Christ, that that is the prize. So British writer N.T. Wright explains, what is the goal, the finishing line? Paul describes it in verse 14 with an interesting phrase. The prize that is waiting there, like a silver cup or medal for the winning athlete, is the upward call of God in King Jesus, is the way he says it. This has often been seen as simply heaven, the place up there where Christians aim to go at the end. But this can't be what Paul means. In verses 20 and 21, just following this, Paul speaks not of our going up to heaven, but of the Lord Jesus himself coming from heaven to earth in order to transform the world and change our bodies so that they are like his own resurrected and glorified body. Living in heaven isn't the goal we're aiming at. Rather, it's living in God's new world with our new bodies. When we view the prize we are straining toward as heaven, it's too easy to become self-focused, to focus on the work that, that we do and try hard and do our best to make sure that we end up in heaven. And honestly, that was the, the primary focus of this message Uh, of the white evangelical Christian community within which I became a Christian. But from the very beginning, 
God's goal for us as God's people has always been the creation of a just and thriving society for all people here on earth as it is in heaven. Again, our Hebrew First Testament reading from Deuteronomy as the people are about to move into the promised land. Moses said, these are the commands, the decrees, the laws, the Lord your God directed me to teach you, and this is a plural you, to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you all, your children and their children after them, may fear and revere and live in awe of the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all these decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Again, plural you, all of you may enjoy a long life. Hear, O Israel, the whole community, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. This is what so many people were working toward, were straining toward in the civil rights era. Ms. Wine and others found encouragement in these words of Paul to keep going, to persevere, to hold on. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God's heavenly calling or God's upward calling has come to me in Christ Jesus. My prayer for us this morning is that we too will find encouragement in the words of Paul to keep going, to persevere in pressing on towards the goal of life on earth as it is in heaven, and that we will not only persevere in our own doing of this work, but that we will learn from our sisters and brothers who are black, indigenous, people of color, that we will work with our sisters and brothers who are black, indigenous, people of color, that we will support the work of our sisters and brothers who are black, indigenous, and people of color. One of the things that has happened in the United States because of Trump his administration, Mitch McConnell, is that many white Americans have experienced for the first time what minority populations have been experiencing for centuries. Many of us have been shocked, appalled, even horrified at the immorality, the corruption, the lies, the utter injustice of those who are elected to lead our country. And we have been equally infuriated about our inability to do anything about it. After four years, many white people who care about other human beings are tired, 
discouraged, some even without hope. But what many of us have been experiencing for the past four years, those who are black, indigenous, people of color, have experienced their whole lives and have a heritage of such suffering that goes back 400 years, not just four. The more I learn, the more I am in awe of the perseverance towards goodness of those who are black, indigenous, and people of color in this country. The day after the Jacob Blake shooting, he was the black man that was shot seven times in the back by a white police officer. The day after that shooting, the coach of the LA Clippers basketball team, Doc Rivers, who is a black man, gave a powerful interview. He mentioned one of the things that galled him about the Republican convention was how much focus there was on fear and be afraid. Doc Rivers said, we're the ones, he's a black man saying this, we're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. We've been hung and burnt and beaten. Then, with choking tears, he said, it's amazing. We keep loving this country, and this country doesn't love us back. And yet, he and the vast majority of all black, indigenous people of color in this land press on towards goodness keep pressing on toward the high calling of the life that Christ calls all people to, a life of justice, of peace, and of love. This is the life that Christ calls us to work toward as his followers. And as we heard last week, he's serious about us doing this. This week, we heard it in Christ's own words in our gospel passage. Be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I know many of us are tired. I know that it's hard for all of us. But others have been here before us and have left us inspiration. Paul put it this way. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Bringing Paul's own words to her own lived experience, Alice Wine encouraged us in song. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Amen.